I will continue with my ad. Rise Again is doing very well. Uh, we have had a couple of challenges here and there, but we uh, seem to be on a regular and consistent basis, somewhere around 10 or 11 stops a month throughout um, the area here and down in Manchester. We recently moved our Franklin stop, was meeting on a Saturday morning, and they moved to a Wednesday evening that's connected with the food pantry in, in Franklin. And the last, this past Wednesday they were there, they had just over 50 people come um, to the site. And the, the month before we had about 30, so it's continuing to grow, and we think that will continue to grow. So we're in great shape. Um, I just want to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to be here this morning. John is a fellow woodworker. He does way better craftsmanship than I do. I take somebody's old dresser or table and make it look new again. And so John and I were talking one day. I was at his house because I need to use a piece of his equipment because <laughs> I can't afford my own. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and he's got some really nice stuff. So we were working there, and John told me that he was looking for, for people to fill the pulpit. And I said, John, I'll come. If you'll have me, I'll come. I would love to come and, and share a message. So uh, I'm an elder at my church at Joy Church in Pittsfield, so I bring greetings from Pittsfield to say hello. Uh, we are well and good there as well. Uh, and so I just I thank you for the opportunity. So let's open with some prayer. Father, today we take time to say thank you for your goodness to each and every one of us. We are living in some very challenging times, but I say thank you for loving us and providing for us and allowing your presence to be our strength and our power in this time. Jesus, I thank you for the freedom to worship and the freedom to serve you. You are a good, good God. And I'm glad you are the rock that holds us together, and you are our ever-present help in time of need. And Lord, we need you. So take time this morning, Lord, to speak to each of us that know your goodness and offer up to you worship and praise. Amen. So a little bit about me. I, uh, my, my testimony, uh, I grew up in the Lutheran Church um, with an understanding of who God was and who Jesus was and I learned the Bible stories, and I was an acolyte, and I read scripture during the services and all the things that you do. My parents were Sunday school superintendents for the majority of the time that I attended church until we moved to New Hampshire in 1986. And we were in church every Sunday without fail. In fact, I've spent 99.9% .9 of my life in church on a Sunday morning. When we go on vacation, I find a place to go to church on Sunday morning. Um, and so when I was in high school, I attended a non-denominational youth group called Campus Life. And while in attendance, I realized that I had a great head understanding of God, but I didn't have a heart understanding of who God was. And so as a sophomore in high school, I attended a week-long retreat in Ocean City, New Jersey. And it was during this youth camp that I came to know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. And during that week, I spent time with the leader of that campus life group, and I turned my life and my heart over. And I'd like to tell you today that life has been a breeze and it's been easy ever since. But you all know that that's not the case. You know, Jesus never promised us that it would be easy. He promised us that he would take care of us. And he did promise in Romans 8:28, he says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So as I look back over my life, 
I can see the trials and the challenges, and I can see the blessings and his goodness, and this thing's going to bug me all day. (laughs) But I have to admit that I associate with this quote from Charles Spurgeon, and he says, we are too prone to engrave our trials in marble and write our blessings in sand. I've spent my life serving God, and I would not change anything about that. I am who I am today because I've gone through those challenges. He's carried me through, and he has had some of those things were hard, but I would not go back and change a single thing because I am who I am. You see, I like who I am, but I know that the work isn't done either. And so... I can be so much more. I can be so much more for him, which just means that there are more challenges that will drive that change in me. I look forward. I know that sounds odd, but I look forward to how he's going to change me in the next years ahead as I live the rest of my life following and serving a God that is always, always good. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Amen. As I prepared this message, it caused me to look back in my life at the evidences of God's goodness in my life. And it's interesting, when I told John I, was, I, I would preach and I had to move the date to this, I had no idea it was the Sunday before Thanksgiving. I just, because I don't look at calendars that way. I'm like, I'm available on the 20th. You can have me on the 20th. But I think it's very cool. The songs that we sang during worship, the The thing that John shared, it all ties together with the message that I have this morning. So I want to share about some of the people and the experiences that are examples of this evidence. First is my Christian upbringing. I grew up in a family that went to church every Sunday, as I said, so much so that when I started working in high school, I was allowed to work any day of the week except Sunday. I could not take a shift on Sunday. My salvation in Ocean City, New Jersey, it started with the good news of the gospel. And my life has changed every day since then. It's that Jesus loves me enough that he gave his life for me. And to know that he loves me that much is an evidence of God's goodness in my life. My earthly father, he was a man of faith. He taught me how to live life for God. He taught me to do good things, to put others ahead of myself. My Campus Life youth, youth Group leader opened my eyes to that personal relationship with Jesus, and I can't tell you how important children's ministry and youth ministries are to keep young people connected to their faith in Christ. When I was in college, I attended a group called Chi Alpha Christian Fellowship at Plymouth State College, and that kept me from walking away from God in the most challenging years of my life as I was doing life for the first time on my own. <laughs> My training for Christian leadership actually started on my college campus with my campus uh, pastor. And then there's my wife, Mary Beth, who's with me this morning, and she is a true gift from God. She is a strong woman of faith, and she shares, and uh, she makes me want to be a better person. And she shares godly wisdom and God's truth regularly to the people at Joy Church. And then there's my kids. And while sometimes those kids were probably the cause of some of the challenges that I've walked through in my life, (laughs) 
and maybe walking through in my life now, they're also the source of much of the joy that I get from being a dad. There's nothing like being a parent to teach you about God's love. And now I'm going to be a grandfather, and I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I told my, I told my daughter last week when we were there visiting with her, and, and I told her, I said, I, I haven't really done this, but I told her I've already started a Carter's Rewards program, so she shouldn't be worried about clothes or anything like that. <laughs> Amazon will arrive regularly at their address. So, And then there's my mother, who continues to show me what a commitment is all about. She's a faithful friend to many, and she's a volunteer with many organizations. She recently had heart surgery a couple weeks ago, and she's doing fantastic, and she's already asking me when she can go back to her duties across the street at Rise Again. And then there's my career. I, I didn't set out to create a career as a portfolio manager. I, I love what I do. I do. I love managing money. I love helping people. But I set out to have a job so that I could support my family. And because I followed Christ and I put him first, I have a career because I depended on him. And lastly, Pastor David Alves, he was the pastor of mine at New Life Fellowship. We co-pastored as I was an elder and preaching there with him for 20 years. That was our home church. And David challenged and still challenges me at every turn. I just had breakfast with him on Friday. And he always challenges me whenever I see him to go deeper with God. He taught me the focus of listening to the Holy Spirit and journaling and so much more that I can't even share with you today. He is my mentor. And he taught me the basics of how to study and deliver a message to the people of God. I'm certain if I could spend the afternoon, I could come up with hundreds of more examples of God's goodness in my life. But because we all have evidence of God's goodness in our lives, each and every one of us in this room, I want to share some scripture with you about an experience that King David had with God's goodness. I'm going to share from Psalm 34, which is a Thanksgiving psalm. Again, I had no idea it was the Sunday before Thanksgiving, so I love this. In many ways, a Thanksgiving psalm is similar to a hymn of praise. They often start out in the same way with an expression of praise to the Lord. However, the difference between a hymn and a Thanksgiving psalm is that the Thanksgiving psalm always talks about a difficult situation which has been fixed by God or an evidence of God's goodness in your life. We might want to think of Thanksgiving psalms as our response when God helps us out of trouble. So when we read the Thanksgiving Psalms, we're looking for an opening section which praises God, and then a section which talks about the way God helped and answered in the middle of a difficulty. My wife and I watch a lot of police TV shows, and I don't remember which one it was, but I remember an attorney telling a client, honesty might be the best policy, but insanity is a better defense. And I think David, I think King David could have easily written that saying. This psalm describes a time when he found himself in a difficult situation. And the title of the psalm tells us that it's written when he feigned insanity before Abimelech, who drove him away, and then he left. So if we're going to understand the psalm, we need to understand the situation that it refers to. So in 1 Samuel 21, starting in verse 10, it says, 
And David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. And then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see, the man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? So the observant among you may notice that uh, in First Samuel he's called Achish. In the psalm he's called Abimelech. And it's not a mistake. Abimelech means my father is king, and it's the official title of the Philistine king. And you have to feel sorry for him because he clearly has madmen all around him. Because he's like, do I need another madman? I don't think so. And one of them was David. And at the moment, he's been on the run from King Saul, who has threatened to kill him. And in desperation, he enters the territory of the Philistines, a town called Gath. And not necessarily the smartest move. You see Goliath, that giant that he killed. Well, that Gath was Goliath's hometown. So it's hard to be unrecognized when you walk in to the hometown hero who you killed in battle. So it is not long before David finds himself in the palace of the king and is without military support and he's quite afraid. So in desperation, he uses insanity as a defense. He pretends to be someone he isn't in the hopes of getting away. So here's my question. Why doesn't David put more faith and trust in God to save him? Instead of making marks on the doors, why doesn't he pray and ask God for help? Like Daniel did in the lion's den. Instead of letting the drool run down his cheeks, why doesn't he stand up and say, I belong to God and he will protect me? Instead of pretending to be mad, why doesn't he be true to himself? It seems like he's trying to save himself. It all seems rather ungodly, actually, to me, and not at all a sign that he trusted in the Lord. But looks can be deceiving. We know this is the case because in Psalm 34, there's a record of David's thoughts when he was going through this difficulty. Turn with me to Psalm 34, and I'll start in verse 1. When it says there, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The first few verses here, we have David's personal testimony, the evidence of God's goodness. Has anyone here been broken by life? 
things not going quite the way you thought they should? Have you been discouraged or disappointed or just betrayed or lonely or shamed or embarrassed? You see, when anxieties push us past comfortable and take us to dangerous levels, where do we turn? Who or what do we lean on? Society has an answer. They want to tell you to take a pill or have a drink, get rid of it, start new. But as a person of faith, who do you turn to? Who are we leaning on? And I think David can help us see some important lessons of our faith. The first, when you are in trouble, you need to get your praise on. So when you're in trouble, you need to get your praise on, much like Pastor John was saying. In the midst of it, we have to praise. Sometimes you just have to praise when it makes no sense to praise. Sometimes when you don't feel like praising God, it's the time that the presence of God becomes so strong because in our brokenness we can see God's power. I don't know what your dark spot is and where you are with the Lord, but I know that praise may not immediately change your circumstance, but it will immediately change your attitude. A number of years ago, I was driving home from Pennsylvania. I dropped my mother off for a visit with my sisters. And we had gotten some news. I was struggling with the news. I was feeling defeated about the particular situation. I was on my own. And I happened to leave Pennsylvania early enough to meet my daughter and son-in-law at their church in Massachusetts on my way home. And I got so deep into God's presence at their church service because the only person who was going to help me change my attitude was God. That was it. I could... I could whine, moan, and complain about the news that I got, but I knew I had to be somewhere where I could let God take control. And I can attest to you that praising God did not change the circumstance, but it did change my attitude. I had a much better day after having been in a time of praise. When it is the darkest, we have to remember that it's not going to last forever. Joy comes in the morning. A little bit of light takes away the darkness in the whole room. Remember who you are in Christ and remember who is dwelling inside of you. We regularly find ourselves in trouble and we regularly come to the Lord on our knees and we cry out in desperation, Lord, I need your help. And maybe your marriage is having difficulties and you're drifting apart or maybe financial struggles are weighing you down and you don't feel like you're going to get beyond it. Maybe you have doubts and questions and fears. How many times have we sought the Lord for help? Many. How many times have we seen God help us? Every time. Every time. Our experience is that God has helped us again and again. But there's sometimes a problem with experience because our experiences of seeing God help us can be inconsistent. There are times when we've seen God provide in amazing ways for our personal and financial needs. At other times, we find ourselves in debt or facing a huge wall of worry to get over. If we base our relationship with God on the basis of our experiences that we go through, at best, we would come to the conclusion that God's there some of the time. But we know that he's there all of the time. Experience is a good teacher, but it doesn't teach us God's truth. Even David experiences this dilemma. On this occasion, he was saved, and he cries out to God in thankfulness. And some days we wake up, and it doesn't feel like God 
is for us. And some days it seems that he's not listening to our prayers. I'm not saying that he's not doing the work and that he's not keeping his promises. All I'm saying is that it feels like he's not sometimes. So the second thing David teaches is when you want to change your feelings, you have to change your focus. When you want to change your feelings, you have to change your focus. When our spiritual life doesn't feel right, we have to return to the truths that are in the scripture. We need to be reminded that in every part of our life, God provides, and we can be thankful for the things that he does. The first of these provisions is seen in verses 11 to 14 in the psalm, and it says there, Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. You see, that is the direction of God in action. It's direction that goes against so much of the wisdom of our modern age. Today we hear, be your own person. Do what you want to do. Live the free and easy life. Don't have any responsibilities. You don't have to worry about commitments. Just put God on hold or ignore him altogether. But let's face it, life can be fun. But David knows how easy it is, and if you know anything about King David, he knows how easy it is to get carried away with life and doing your own thing. But he also knows the dangers that come with it, and in some cases he knows the consequences that come with it. So David says, if that's a good life, you can have it. What does it get you in the end? The truth of the matter is that God calls the shots. He runs the show. And we need to be thankful for his direction in our lives. We need to acknowledge that direction if we're going to have a good spiritual walk with him. Direction is a provision from God. And I can tell you, in this circumstance I was sharing about earlier, God's direction to me was, you just have to love them. The battle is mine. You see, when I heard this news, I wanted to put up my dukes and fight it out because I was going to go to battle. And God said, the battle's not yours, it's mine. In verses 17 and 18, David says, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. You see, God provides hope when we feel like we're in despair. We have a Savior who knows that no one is perfect. He knows that we will find it difficult to walk in his footsteps. So he provides a savior. If you know your moral life isn't where it should be, you think your life has no meaning, or you wonder what purpose you have in this life, if you know the time has come to seek true answers, then you can also know and be sure of the provision that God gives to deal with these issues. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. God provides true hope to those whose sin is so overwhelming that their hearts are ready to break in two. And it comes by looking to Jesus Christ, on whom we can rely. Jesus Christ, God's Son, who sees his straying sheep and goes after the one. 
Jesus Christ, God's Son and our Savior, who though he was guilty of no sin, became sin for us. Jesus is our true hope. You can cry out to the Father in brokenness, in sinfulness, in repentance, in agony, and you can know, and I mean you can know 100% that God will hear and he will respond. You see that circumstance I've been talking about? It has improved immensely in just the last year. He's not done, but it's improved. And that alone is a reason to be thankful. So what else does God provide us? In Psalm 34, verse 19, he says, Many are the afflictions afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. You see, God provides peace. Even when it seems that the tables have been turned, sometimes... Sometimes we get confused about the ways of God. Righteous people do have troubles. They lose jobs like other people do. They have money problems like other people do. Families have tensions. Cars break down. People are still sick. Christians still endure much pain. But Christ's children are the righteous, and yet the righteous have many troubles. And David gives his lessons on God's provision. You may have trouble, but the Lord delivers you from them all. How? It's by focusing our eyes away from this life and knowing that Jesus is preparing a place for each one of us. A place of no anxiety, a place where there's no pain, no hassles, no difficulties. Thank God, bring that on, Lord. (laughs) A place where you can glory in the radiance of the Lord himself. A place where you will be able to stand in the presence of God and he will not turn from you because you are his and you are holy. So it might seem like in this life the tables are turned, that the righteous always have trouble, but a day is coming when all of that's going to change. This earthly life is not the destination. It's the journey. There's more to come, a whole lot more, for those who trust in God as their Lord and Savior. You see, this Thanksgiving psalm, as I said earlier, always talks about a difficult situation which has to be fixed. Our experiences make us feel that God might be letting us down. But experience is not the ultimate teacher of truth. God will provide. He gives us direction. He gives us hope when we feel in despair. He provides peace, even in the midst of troubles. So come to the Lord for help and allow him to create more evidences of his goodness in your life. You see that circumstance in my life? He's still working. I know he's not done yet, and so I wait patiently in his peace. So as I close, I love music. It speaks to me. I don't play or sing. You should be happy about that. But I have Sirius XM radio in my truck, and I've had it since I owned my truck five years ago, and it's been on one channel, The Message, 100% of the time. Unless I'm driving while there's a football game on, then it might move to the sports (laughs) station. (laughs) So 99.9% of the time. So I want to share a song with you that has spoken to me about this idea of looking for God's evidence in our lives. And the song is called Evidence by Josh Baldwin. And don't worry, it's a video, so I'm not singing or playing. So before I close in prayer, I just want to say again, thank you for the opportunity to be here. It's always a pleasure 
to share God's word with God's people. And so let's pray. Lord, help us not to trust in our own ability to provide. Lord, help us to rely on ourselves in, or not to rely on ourselves in any way. Help us to put our trust in you alone. For we confess that it's not only your grace which enables us, it is only your grace that enables us to get through every day. Amen.